Frank, I don't know about you, but when I get stuck writing code, I often go directly to Stack Overflow. That's usually <laughs> my go-to pair programming protocol. Yeah? Wow. So all these times that you've bragged about all the smart people that you work by and how your office is just a flowing with genius, you still go to Stack Overflow, huh? You don't bug Mads. <laughs> well, surprisingly, I I don't necessarily go directly to Stack Overflow. I often go to Google and then Google takes me to Stack Overflow. It's like I can't even get past it. It's it's like the thing. And then you get to Stack Overflow and of course, all the answers are super out of date. So you're like, oh, I'm going to go to the forums. And then the forums are super out of date because now I want to do something that is, you know, been around for like 10 years. So things have evolved over 10 years and the, the data that was there is no longer good. So I'm like, oh, now I need to find somebody. And okay. um, that's where real paired programming comes in. That's not just online or oh, maybe it could okay. be online. So we're going to use human intelligence. That's cool. Um, I, I don't get to pair a program enough. I don't have this human intelligence friend that I can uh, talk to when I need to. Uh, but there is something cool coming out from Microsoft. I just said coming out, but it's been out. I'm slow. I'm slow. It takes me time to use new things. And I think it might actually get me to start uh, pair programming using other human intelligence also. Yeah, it, it well, this technology that we'll talk about, which I'm sure people probably are like, oh, I already know what you're talking about. But to me, <laughs> you know, I remember being in the classroom. So I'll go on a little journey story. I remember being in the classroom back at UAT where I went to school and we had a kind of a amphitheater, like a small amphitheater presentation stage area. And I remember working really late night with one of my friends and he was like, oh, just put your code up on the projector. And I had all my code up on the projector and I was coding and he was like pointing out things to me and he could step up to it and kind of draw it out. And it was the first time that I wasn't just at a computer. I was in this sort of interactive collaborative session. And since then, that hasn't happened a lot in my life. Um, you know, I often am sending code snippets or a gist over to somebody and they are like modifying it or yelling at me that it's wrong or trying to, you know, say, change this variable to this variable and then do this variable. And in fact, even when I'm on Twitch and I'm streaming, that's what people do. They're like, oh, you typoed something or you did something wrong. And that's the extent of collaboration. I mean, is there anything that you've experienced that's better than that? Or, or have you even done anything up until the thing that we're talking about today <laughs> yeah um i gotta tell you your, your experience is pretty pathetic the only thing more pathetic than it is my experience <laughs> so at least you have people that you can send around like a just to and get them to answer questions I don't, I, I don't really have anyone like that so usually when i run into a problem i read a book or I, I go for a walk and then either give up on it or kind of solve it like that. So I haven't had it. And I was just reflecting and thinking that um, PRs for my open source libraries are kind of the closest I get to collaboration. And it's not pair programming by any stretch of the imagination, but it's about as close as I get to collaboration. And so that's um, currently kind of my old exposure. But I have stories, too. Um, I remember I was never good at uh, working with other students in college when programming. I was always just like, give it to me. I'll do it. And <laughs> so that, that doesn't work well in pair programming. But early in my career, I did attend, um, it was like a code camp kind of thing. 
but with the funny restriction that you had to pair program. And they give you a very simple problem and you had to pair program. And that was my first real exposure to it. Did that work out good being forced into a paired programming situation? Yeah, because I wouldn't do it otherwise. <laughs> I just, <laughs> um, it, it's not that I think like um, it's like a skill thing or anything like that. I'm just not good at getting along with each other people and expressing myself. You know, it, I'm I'm slow at thinking, so it takes me time, and um, I'm not very articulate, and so I worry about all the social problems of pair programming. But being forced into it, it turns out I'm just like all the other nerds and we're all terrible at being social. <laughs> so it just kind of worked out. Yeah, it's it's a struggle to when you're doing pair program because everybody has different, often different knowledge levels. So sometimes you're going in and, and you're the novice or sometimes you're the expert and it can be completely flipped because you could be helping someone else or they, you know, they could be helping you. And and a matter of fact, a lot of early developers that I worked with um, that were higher up than me, they kind of talked down to me. So it actually deterred me often from um, uh, from wanting to even do paired programming. I, I, I kind of ran away from the idea and tried to stick myself in the corner and try to prove myself in a way. And, and, and that's good to some extent to try to, you know, get that knowledge. But then it's also not good at the same time. What was their objection oh, exactly? Uh, I mean, some of the people I worked early on with this is a long time ago. I mean, it's just sort of how they speak or how they would explain something to you was extremely um, negative in, <laughs> okay. in a way. It was almost as if they were speaking down to you. I got you. Because in those days, they're kind of over your shoulder, Okay. Mm -hmm. And they're point they're trying to point out things or explain things to you and they expect you to know the things. And that's what sort of took me down. Whereas when I was in the amphitheater, it was me and my buddy. It was up on the big screen, right? We could both walk up and and talk it out. It wasn't as if someone was over my shoulder, um, sort of guiding me through it in a way that was, you know, making me belittled. Uh, yeah, and that's kind of how I felt early on in my career. I see. There's there's like a power dynamic there, exacerbated by a knowledge difference, and and I think that's definitely where this can go all wrong. Is if you have that, I guess it was like a teacher student <laughs> dynamic. Teacher student. Yeah. yeah, and that's just not productive. Having someone over your shoulder, I can't think of anything worse. Like that's when you choke. Is when you have someone staring over your shoulder. I'm I'm terrible at taking tests. I can do tons of tasks, but you put a teacher watching over me, and I'll get a C on that. You know, it's just how it is. Mm -hmm. I let nerves get to me, all that kind of stuff. And so having that power dynamic just sounds terrible. So I think. Definitely with pair programming, that's where it has to be peers, even if there's a knowledge difference. Um, we're all programmers. I, I think the most experienced programmers are the ones that know how many mistakes they can make and how beneficial it is to have a second set of eyes on a problem. So even if you have this huge knowledge difference, as long as it's not a jerk that you're working with, um, they should be humble and volunteer information when they have it and make use of you, the novice, if you're in, in that position, to catch their mistakes, honestly. <laughs> and part of that paired programming is sometimes to help through a 
problem. Like let's solve this together. But the other aspect of it can be a teaching lesson of, can we kind of guide you through an experience that you're new to, but in a teaching, you know, sort of, um, light Mm -hmm. shined on it in, in a way. And I think that was one thing where you can sort of guide someone through a problem, but you don't necessarily want to talk down to them and, and feel as you make them feel kind of stupid in a way. And that's how I felt early on as I kind of, you know, people were kind of talking down to me, whereas more of, I, I would look up to them as a guidance, almost as a mentor to help me guide through this code. And I think we were really lacking tools for a long time to do this. I know that there was a few online websites where you could sort of collaboratively code on like JavaScript uh, online a little bit here and there. I guess you could do screen sharing. You know, it felt everything felt pretty in, uh, invasive. Yeah. Evasive, invasive, <laughs> yeah. evasive, invasive, oh, in, invasive. Very good. Um, yeah. Invasive. Weren't there rules to like uh, whether you should share a keyboard or pass the keyboard, whether you should share a mouse? And there's schools of thought about which one is more appropriate. But just the. Um, the idea of like hugging together into a desk and staring over a monitor that's very productive in short bursts but working that way all day long all day long sounds absolutely terrible so i I would hate that environment if 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 i actually did want the benefits of pair programming but didn't want that social (laughs) problem then screen share is definitely the way to go yeah. Well, and then, you know, the the issue here, so as we talk about all the issues of some of these, like, oh, this could be a solution, is like, all right, now I'm going to screen share, but then really you want control. So it's like, okay, now we're in Skype or we're in Teams mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, now you have access to my desktop, but that's my computer, bro. Like you get access to everything, right? So um, you're kind of going to be forwarding over a bunch of information and potentially people just have access to your machine now. And that's kind of not great at the same time. It's not great, but having grown up through the computer age, I still think it's pretty wonderful that we can do that. It's not ideal for our scenario or anything, but I just want to take that a slightly higher perspective and be like, oh my God, tech support and helping friends and all that became so much better with remote desktop. So, But I think the important thing there is that... Um, you're actually looking at the same thing. I remember I had an interview for, I think it was for Microsoft, and I did it while driving the car and talking on a cell phone. I did the interview. (laughs) And we were actually like doing code, and I was coding and walking him through how I would implement something. And it was the worst thing ever. It was, I shouldn't have been talking on the phone while driving. That was wrong of me. I shouldn't have been doing an interview while doing any of that. And at the same time, you can't talk about code over a phone. It's impossible. And so just having um, the visual medium Thank goodness for that. Thank goodness we hit 2004 and the internet became fast. <laughs> the internet, it all happened. It all <laughs> happened. Yeah, well, you know, and, and, and even today, so it, it kind of leads up to the ideal scenario. If I could envision some of the things that we're talking about that we need to alleviate, it's, well, there is this control aspect in the world of development. What would be really nice is if we could um, you know, get access to just the files we need, get access to some IntelliSense, get access to debug symbols, get access to, you know, some IDE features in a way, but also not give 
the other people, all of your code. So my idea is that I want you to help get help, but not give up everything. Right. So often, uh, when, uh, someone needs help, I'm like, Oh, just send me, send me your project. You know, that's easy. Just bundle up your project and and go. And the problem there is like, well, it's my company's code or, you know, I got to create a whole sample. I got to do this stuff where, Ideally, what you really want to do is just get a snapshot in time that it's magically erased at the end of a session uh, would be ideal, yeah, you know, and, uh, and that'd I, be cool. We've used tricks in the past, like um, I, I've tried to use Git for somewhat real-time collaboration where you're basically just yelling at each other, make sure you pull, rebase, you know, get the code <laughs> and let's look at it. We did that for um, one of those 24-hour code uh game jams where you, you like have to write a game in 48 hours 24 whatever it was it was ridiculous and we did it over git and we just kept screaming at each other um you know sync 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 and that was stupid <laughs> and terrible so don't do that git's not good for real-time collaboration i've also tried um dropbox and or you know mm. p- pick a syncing service of your flavor and that's okay. The problem is Dropbox and all those services have their own schedule for when they want to sync things and all that. So it's just not very reliable, basically. It's, it's just not good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think we stumbled upon something today and actually used it to the specific purpose that we were talking about. But Frank, before we talk about it, let's take a break and thank our amazing friends over at SyncFusion. Frank, you know Syncfusion. You love Syncfusion because when you need something for your application, whether it's a beautiful chart, graph, calendar, Kanban board, you know, Excel, word processing, when you need that, you don't need to rebuild it because they've already done it for you. The cool thing about Syncfusion is they support all the platforms that you want, whether it's Xamarin, UWP, JavaScript for mobile, desktop with WinForms or WPF, or web with ASP.NET, Angular, React, Vue, JavaScript. They have you covered. They have hundreds upon thousands of controls and components that are super optimized for the platforms I was just talking about. Now, what's really great is that you can get Syncfusion for free if you qualify for their community edition. Now, that's very similar to the Visual Studio community edition. So if that's what you're using, boom, you can get that, which is really cool. And then they have a flat fee for all of their products. I use Syncfusion myself for all of their great controls. Someone asked me the other day, like, hey, how do I just read and write to PDFs, but Syncfusion's got you covered. They got everything you need. Now, what's cool is that not only can you try everything, and if you are in an enterprise, you can get a free trial. So you can try everything into your application for anything you need. All you got to do is go to syncfusion.com slash merge conflict to learn more and uh, tell them that we sent you syncfusion.com slash merge conflict. Thanks, Syncfusion. Thanks, Syncfusion. Could be using them today for the thing that I was coding. So <laughs> literally... What happened today on my live stream, which I'll probably link to, is I've been working, Frank, over the last few Fridays on my live stream of implementing a cross-platform checkbox for Xamarin Forms. Oh, the time has finally come. We're going to get a Windows 95 checkbox on our modern 2018 devices. Thanks, James, for bringing it back. Well, (laughs) you're welcome. Well, it's a highly requested feature by me. (laughs) And the nice thing is that all of the platforms, except for iOS, support it out of the box. (laughs) So herein lies the problem. iOS invented the wonderful toggle switch, which everyone else copied. They just did the toggle switch and a (laughs) checkbox. We don't quite do that in iOS land. 
but you do do it in Mac land. Yeah. Yeah. Check boxes everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that defines a <laughs> Mac app. <laughs> if it doesn't have a checkbox, it's not a <laughs> Mac app. It can't exist. So I've been doing some custom code specifically today, right before we're recording. And um, at the end, I got you on. And what I did is I said, hey, Frank, can you look at this file on GitHub that's in a pull request and let me know what you think? You suckered me. And then I fell for it. I suckered you. You, you laid a trap. You, you, you actually, you put out some breadcrumbs and I'm like, okay, I'll look at your code. And then it, it started all innocent. There was a link and it went to GitHub. I understand these kinds of links. And then you sent me another kind of link and all, all craziness broke out. Well, you said, you said, I said, I said, Hey, how can, you know, you're like, Oh, I want to modify this. And I'm like, Oh, why don't we use, um, this thing called visual studio live share. And you know what? I got I to gotta interrupt because I knew what live share was. I'm, I'm playing dumb a little bit here. I've never tried this thing. I never wanted to try this thing. But at the same time, the moment you said, like, maybe you could contribute to this repo, I'm like, oh, then I have to fork it and download it and mm. compile it and test it. And I'm like, I really don't yeah. want to do that. So the moment you said, hey, Frank, there's this thing called live share. I'm like, yes, let's just do it. <laughs> <laughs> so the cool thing about LiveShare, it's a free extension for Visual Studio uh, 2017 on the PC or Visual Studio Code. So you were on a Mac. I was on a PC. Okay. I had the source code. So I made you install the extension. How long did that take? Uh, once I figured out what I was supposed to be doing, um, <laughs> less than a minute. <laughs> less than a minute. So you're good. And and this is going to sound like a sales pitch for, for LiveShare. But it kind of is. <laughs> Uh, and it worked so well. Yeah. So I literally just sent, I sent you this crazy link and you clicked on it and then you had all my code. Yeah, totes. I had to log in. I used my GitHub credentials. So that was nice because uh, my Microsoft accounts are all confused. So it was really nice to be able to just use some credentials that I know work. And um, scarily, Chrome took over my computer. Now it asked my permission and then took over VS Code. VS Code opened itself, went into a crazy mode. And not before long, I had a text file open with your crazy cursor chasing around a little yellow box that says James Montemagno. That's me. <laughs> and that was me. And, and I could highlight stuff and I could scroll around and your thing would scroll, which was crazy. Uh, and, you know, what was, what was cool here is that I could edit the file or you could edit the file. And what you are seeing is sort of a virtual, magical, temporary <laughs> directory of all my files. Yeah. My I was really curious how all this worked. I, I knew at the high level concept about this uh, live share thing. I just hadn't experienced it myself. In fact, you were mentioning um, you've been using this thing on your videos. I saw you doing this with Fritz and um, you, you guys used this. So I had some vague understanding. What I didn't understand was that they really try to give you the full VS Code experience there in that all the files from your project are listed in the files pane, exactly where you expect to find them. And it was nice because it didn't say, like, go open this directory or go do anything else. It just popped up its own window using its own what virtual file system It'd be fun to track down what it, where it's actually putting those files but <laughs> <laughs> um but uh as far as i could tell there just wasn't much on my machine it was all pretty much in memory and it gave you full like source code intellisense mm -hmm. you you were like does this work with xamarin and i go of course it works with everything and you're like but i'm in vs code i'm like but i'm in vs for windows <laughs> you know and that was my know, 
I hit debugging. You were yeah. debugging. That was my first question to you immediately was on your side, which app were you using? I was curious if you were doing it from code or VS. So I guess I'm on the Mac side, so I don't know anything about Windows, it turns out. Uh, so this is an extension that you can get for VS proper also? Yeah, VS proper on Windows. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, uh, nice. And But the neat thing is, and what I learned, is once you install the extension, it, you can host it from the Mac side also. So it's not, hosting's not limited to the full Windows VS. It works fine in VS Code through those magic links that <laughs> somehow magically work. <laughs> somehow magically work. Yeah, it's very true. And, and we were sort of experimenting because we got the debugger to work and I would be debugging and you didn't necessarily know I was debugging. You could see my output, I believe, but you were trying to type at one point. And you're like, I can't type. I can't type. And I'm like, oh, I'm still debugging. Sorry, Frank. Yeah, uh, there is a little bit of UI for that if I was paying attention, and I often don't. Uh, and it's the normal little debug toolbar that comes up when you hit debug. But I think uh, I was able to hide it at some point. I think that's why I got confused at one point. Plus, in general, I hate it when IDEs lock the editor when you're debugging. I think that's a bad feature from Visual Studio. I much prefer, uh, you know, just type away. If you mess up the source code, you messed up the source code. That's your fault, developer. I agree. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> but I got to tell you, at first I was a little disoriented because uh, they do have one feature that took me a little bit of getting used to. And that is um, you're basically following someone. So someone's in charge, it feels like. Um, we're, we're only doing two people. Does this support three people, four people? I think it supports a whole bunch of people. Neat. Um, yeah. I I'm pretty sure I don't want to, I don't know yeah, how many sure. people. Okay. Let, let's say possibly more lot. than two. Yeah. But someone becomes the um, uh, <laughs> leader and everyone else is a follower. Leader. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that means that we're basically uh, screen mirroring. And that means that as they scroll, our screen scrolls. As they move to a different file, our thing goes to a different file. And that seemed fine at first, but I was a little surprised that it actually took over the scroll behavior of the IDE because I'm mm-hmm. trying to explore around and have fun. And it's like, no, no, you must follow James. James is the leader. <laughs> yeah, you you get to go nowhere else except for wherever I am going. But then I, I, I quickly learned that I could toggle that off and you could just go off on your own and do whatever you wanted. Yeah, this thing is going to be fun to experiment with. I Oh, boy, I, I really am excited because I'm so lazy about... Um, getting working environments open. If someone has a bug with my library, I want to be like, hey, my VS code is open. Why don't you go click that link and you can come fix it for me. Sorry to jump ahead, mm-hmm. but I'm just excited for that part. We should keep describing features of it. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I think to be honest, at, at the high level, that's really what it does. It does this live editing. You can follow along. You get shared output, shared you know, group debugging. And the part there is cool is that, you, you know, you were like, oh, can I type? And I go, yeah, type. And you hit dot. And eventually IntelliSense came up. I, I, I was opening all of Xamarin Forms, which is a extremely large project. <laughs> so I don't know how the IntelliSense was getting moved across the wire. Um, I assume it's coming from my machine to your machine. Yeah. In some magical dance. It was a good question. And I, I am curious, uh, just so that I know... Um the bounds of this thing, under what conditions will it work and not work? Where is IntelliSense coming from? Is that coming from your machine and it's transmitting them? Or is it actually sending symbols over to my machine? 
these are futzy little questions that perhaps we shouldn't need to ask. The unfortunate thing was it was a tiny bit slow, and that's why we were asking, because it turns out I am a terrible programmer without IntelliSense. And so it is a critical, <laughs> critical feature for me. <laughs> well, my favorite part is that you would be typing something and you'd be waiting for like this Bezier or whatever to come up and it was some enum and I, I could hover over it, get the IntelliSense and be like, oh, it's a CG line, whatever. And then <laughs> yeah. you would like go and type it and you're like, oh, and then you're like, all right, do, do, do whatever you want. And then I'm like, oh, rounded, rounded corner, you know? Um, so that was really fun. I think that, that it kind of, that, that's the nice part is it's kind of this fun collaborative thing. I could be off doing something else. Like, in fact, I went to go get water or whatever. And I was like, oh, Frank, just go ahead and, you know, fix this up and you're like, all right, I'm just going to go fix this up. And sure enough, Frank fixed it up and uh, I came back and I had a beautiful check, check mark. So that was kind of a nice realization is that I could just be like, Hey, you, do you want to help me work on this? And then if I needed to go somewhere, you only have access to the code. So it's, I don't have to be worried about you taking over my computer, yeah. you know, and that's what I think is really cool. I think that was our biggest flow moment as, as coders when we were actually cooperating with each other and me not yelling, what is this thing doing? <laughs> or what is your code doing? Why did you do it that way? Uh, I, I actually like that a lot, that we actually solve the problem of the slightly slow IntelliSense very quickly because we do have voices and we can communicate. So I'm just like, whatever, pick something nice. <laughs> it's too slow over here. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's a small scale example of bigger problems that you can solve when you're not doing um comment boxes and github issues where you have to type things out all the time you know i'm a big true believer in the rubber ducking philosophy where if you actually just try to explain a problem to someone you usually get a lot closer to solving it sometimes solve it and so i think um just encouraging yelling at each other is probably a big benefit of pair programming. Not even the watching over eyes, but just, you know, talking it through, figuring it out. Talking it through. Yeah, and 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 they even have gone out and uh, there's other live share extensions to do audio and like chat room too. So it'll pop up uh, like voice over IP. We were using Zencaster because we we're getting to we we're getting ready to podcast and then I had you code for me, which is great. And uh and they, they actually have like other extensions that you can get. So they really thought about it, which I, I think is really cool. And, you know, while we were doing Xamarin, it's not limited to anything. In fact, when you go to the live live share website, you'll see a bunch of like Node.js and JavaScript files. And it's any language, anything that you can open in VS code, which is anything because it's a, <laughs> you know, yeah code editor <laughs> or, or inside of VS 2017, then you can totally open it, which is cool. And you're right. You know, we used it on uh, the workshop that we did on Twitch a few weeks ago, Jeff Fritz and I, and he just opened it. And whenever he had a question or he didn't know how something worked, he would take his cursor because most of the time he's just watching me, but he would highlight it, right? He would highlight something and then I would see the highlight and he'd be like, what does this mean? Or what would go here? And then I go, oh, you can type it and you can do this and you can start to teach and learn and have that session going. And, and that was a really sort of unique, you know, kind of eye popping moment that I was like, oh, wow, this is really, really cool that um, you could stop me and not just try to explain it, but just highlight it immediately. And I thought that was really unique. Yeah, it's funny how um, that's such a simple feature um, that you share your highlights. So my selection rect shows up on your screen. But 
uh, that simple thing can convey so much meaning. I'm actually thinking of, uh, did you ever play Journey on the PlayStation? Uh, two, three, four, I don't know. One of those PlayStation things. I did not, but I know of it. Okay. I know of it a lot. It, it's a multiplayer game, and it's fun, though, because they don't let you talk, and the only thing you can do is uh, kind of pulse each other. You, you send out a ping, 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 and you... It's it's a very simple primitive, but you develop a language with the other people that you're playing with because that's your only form of communication. So you invent a language and it's more fun because um, it's always random people that you're playing with. So you always have to invent new ad hoc languages for each new person that you meet. That's a long way for, of me saying that. The highlighting game in this is kind of fun because um, not only can you just, you know, quickly point out, hey, look at this line of code. This is interesting to me. But just scrolling around and highlighting different things kind of conveys a lot of meaning to someone else of, uh, I don't know, just (laughs) look at all these terrible things that I've had to go through and I'm frustrated and I can't figure out what anything (laughs) is. And that'll come through in the highlighting. I I swear it will. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it it'll be interesting to see where this technology goes because I know they've been revving on it quite a bit, and it, I think it's still technically in preview. It has three million downloads, so maybe yeah. it's no longer in preview anymore. But um, well, it's for good great. reason. Yeah. yeah, I mean, especially yeah. if it works free, it's it's baked into a file editor, like you said, so it just works with everything. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I was confused at first. Um, I was a little nervous because you were the leader in the beginning, as we mentioned. And I wasn't sure, like, are you permanently the leader? And all of a sudden I was getting mad. I was like, no, he can't yeah. be permanently the leader. This is very frustrating. I don't like this software. <laughs> and then I looked around the UI and you can easily uh, elect yourself to become leader. And I love that, that you didn't have to give me permission to become the leader. I've used other software like that. That's the usual handoff when you're doing these collaborative things is the person in control has to cede control. But with this, it was mm. much more egalitarian. If I want control, I get control. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was nice. I mean, it, because uh, that way I didn't have to go bop around the the UI to try to find it. You know, I, I, you know, it could be in the middle of something. You're like, no, I'm really, I need this right now. Like here, boom, 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 boom. Right. And uh, I could imagine that if you're in the shared collaborative space, it's probably a friendly space. So yeah. hopefully, <laughs> um, and ideally then, you know, people are being respectful. And I think, you know, I could always take back control and probably boot you or something like that if sure, I wanted to. I yeah. And in fact, I didn't even mention that how it works is that I give you the link. And then once you log in and you get ready, it says, Frank would like to join. Would you like him to join? And I had to actually approve you. So you don't okay. just magically get to join. So that was something you didn't get to see. Yeah, that's some good safety there. I'm also curious um, how long it takes for that link to expire, or does that link expire the moment the person who created it closes the window? You know, can a conference continue on if the conference coordinator starts it off? Lots of little details like that. Do you have any of those little details off the top of your head? I'm not positive. My assumption of how it worked is that I went in and I ended a session, but I'd imagine that it's, it's, I could give that link to multiple people and multiple people could join. Mm -hmm. So you could have, I could have kicked you or you could have left, like closed the IDE and then probably clicked back into it via that. And you would have come back, you know? So I'm imagining it's session based. So as long as you end the session appropriately, 
or your internet goes out yeah <laughs> whatever's first yeah so but it does seem like um you are the one in control so you are the one that would terminate that session all the participants don't I believe have control so. and that makes sense so <laughs> yeah just yeah. had to cover my bases i was thinking this one through you know i i like this technology it's new and exciting and it means i don't have to fork so much stuff and maybe i can get people to fix my bugs i'm already thinking of bugs that i want people to fix for me I have some friends. I'm totally roping them in. Well, I, I do. I think I think it's a great. You know, it's you, you mentioned it earlier, and it's something that I guess we really haven't talked about. Is is yeah? Is hey, I I have some bugs, and maybe you know an expert, or we're open source. You know, library creators. You have an issue with my library? Let's debug it, right? Let's get in there and let's figure out what's going on. And you can feel very safe that I'm not you know, getting into your code and doing anything malicious, but I just want to help and we can do this together. And that's where I see this being super helpful, not only in, you know, your enterprise, but for the open source community as a whole. Yep. Yep. And I think um, before we go, I have to give a quick shout out to the Unix world who's been doing this kind of for years with like Tmux and screens and all that. I've seen a lot of open source people that love the command line interface that love to use all these apps. The thing is, they're kind of limited. You are just kind of sharing screens and buffers and worse you're giving people ssh access sometimes to like to your machine (laughs) so that that kind of stuff is a little bit scary so it's a little dorky that i'm only now getting into this because now it's baked into visual studio i mean what a stereotypical dotnet programmer i am it turns out like it doesn't (laughs) exist until it's in vs so it's in vs so now it exists and plus it's a gui i'm excited to not be stuck in the command line if i want to do some awesome code sharing yeah, I agree with that. It's really nice that it's just there and it's ready to go. I'll be interested to see how it evolves over time. But more than anything, I'd be interested to know if any of our listeners used LiveShare or use any other products. Maybe you're you know doing something else in a different IDE or who knows what you're doing. You know what I mean? I'd be super interested to know like, hey, what are you doing and what, what's worked well for you? Or maybe in the past, or maybe we just blew your mind and you're like, I'm going to go install this right away. <laughs> Yeah, I, w- I was about to say like, oh, maybe uh, authors would use this for interactive editing with their editor. But then I remembered that authors hate their editors and editors hate authors and they would never want to participate. <laughs> I wonder if we'll ever get to that state. But as long as we keep it on the peer level, going back to the beginning, keep the power dynamic level, no teacher student things. Let's not yell at James. Let's keep his enthusiasm high. I think this is all going to work <laughs> out and I'm excited for it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, awesome. Well, Frank, thanks for not only helping me make a beautiful iOS checkbox. It's so much better now, by the way, since you got your, your hands on it. So much math that you put in there. Oh, yeah. I appreciate that. So much that. math. I traced something in Sketch. It was fun. And then copied down numbers and did math. <laughs> it's what I do. That's my <laughs> skill, copying graphics into code. <laughs> what more do you need, to be honest with you? That is code, I thought. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just numbers. Numbers and math. Numbers and math. It means something. So, it means a checkbox yeah. in this case. Exactly. Well, of course, um, you know, thanks, Frank, for for getting on the getting on the podcast with me. And thanks to all of our listeners for listening to us talk about collaborative coding. I mean, I I had a lot of fun. I, I had a lot of fun talking about it, surprisingly, which is weird because I also had a lot of fun using it. And usually those two things, we, we usually are complainers sometimes yeah. on this on this show. And I feel like this, I was very upbeat, very positive. I think I was a little hesitant of saying that I like this because now you're going to make me fix all your bugs. 
but I did enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you get it. You get it. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for tuning in. You can, of course, find us everywhere on the internet at mergeconflict.fm. That's our website. There's a contact form. You can send us an email. Tell us about your live share or collaborative coding tools that you use. Uh, you can, of course, rate, review, subscribe on any of your favorite podcast applications. Uh, and if you want to follow us on Twitter, we're at MergeConflict.fm. So once again, thanks to Syncfusion for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.